Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. Romans chapter 4. We're continuing our series on grace this weekend. And last week we kicked it off. We talked about last week the tale of two father, the tale of two husbands. And we talked about that before we married Jesus, we're married to the law, and you can't have a good relationship with your new husband by trying to maintain a perfect relationship with your former husband. Clearly, that would never work in the natural, and it definitely doesn't work in the spiritual. This week, though, we're talking about righteousness. And in order to understand grace, you have to understand righteousness. And the title of this weekend's message is, Right Us or Righteous? Right Us or Righteous? Let's read Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 1, together. It says this, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, and it quotes David. This, was, this is quoting one of what I call the Bathsheba Psalms. You can, when you read through the Psalms, you can 100% tell the Psalms David wrote post Bathsheba. You know what I'm saying? This is one of them. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. That's post Bathsheba right there. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, if we went out on Hayden Road and went down to Frank Lloyd Wright and we polled 100 random people, not 100 believers, 100 random people, and we asked them this question, how do you get to heaven? What do you think the most common answer would be? Do good, be good, right? Something along those lines, do more good than bad, right? But here's the problem with that, that doesn't work. And here's why it doesn't work, because God's standard isn't good. God's standard is perfect. Being good or doing good isn't enough because God's standard isn't good or good enough. It's perfect. James chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Now, sometimes on the weekend, uh, I get a little uptight about the message because I'm not sure, you know, am I preaching the right message in the wrong room or am I preaching the wrong message in the right room? And so every once in a while, I just like to check and make sure that I am preaching the right message in the right room. So in order to make sure that this is the right message in the right room, I want to take a poll right here, right now, okay? How many of us have ever slipped up at least once. Would you put your hand up and put it up high? Okay, I want you to look around. Keep it up, no, 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 keep it up, keep it up. Look around. 
anyone with both hands down, punch them in the arm. They are lying. If you raised your hand, this passage, Romans 4, this sermon, this whole series is for you. If you've slipped up just once, because we just read that the Bible says anyone who keeps all of the laws but breaks one is just as bad as the person who breaks them all. Okay? Now, let's go back to verse 3 of Romans 4 because the whole message is about this one verse. For what does the scripture say? Anybody, Abraham believed God. Okay? If you have your Bible, underline believed. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him, underline accounted to him, for righteousness. Underline righteousness. Believed, accounted, righteousness. These are the three points of our message today. But instead of going from front to back, we're going to go, we're, we're going to work backwards. We're going to start with righteousness. Point number one, what is Righteousness. Okay, we're going to work backwards. What is righteousness? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that word? To do good, to do right things, okay? If I said to you, uh, Pastor Brad is a righteous man, what would you immediately think? If he's a righteous man, he does right things, right? And he probably treats his wife the right way. He probably treats his children the right way. He probably treats his friends the right way. He's probably the right kind of Christian, whatever that means. He's probably the right kind of employee if he's righteous. Righteous people do righteous or right things. That, that's immediately the first thing that many of us think. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this question down. And I want you to, to ponder this, not just in this message, but throughout the week. And just kind of see where you fall related to what you believe. Here's the question. Is a righteous person righteous because he does righteous things? Or does he do righteous things because he is righteous? Let me say it again. Is a righteous person righteous because... He does righteous deeds. Or does he do righteous deeds because he is righteous? Now, let me help you answer this question. All right? Because some might think, well, he's righteous because he does right things. Okay, let me help you understand. On your own, you cannot produce any righteousness. On your own, you cannot can't, got none. In fact, Isaiah chapter 64 says the righteous acts you do commit are like filthy rags to God. That's kind of disappointing if you think about it. You on your own cannot produce any righteousness. So for you to get righteousness, there are only two ways that anybody can get righteousness. The first way is to earn it. You can earn righteousness. The second way is you receive it. Those are the only two ways to get righteousness. Now, some of you, depending on how you grew up and the theology you've been raised in, you might, when you hear, oh, the only two ways you can earn righteousness or receive it. When I say you can earn it, 
if you think, yeah, see, that's, that's what I've thought all along. I can earn righteousness. I can earn my way to heaven. Okay, if that's you, let, let's, let's talk this through for a sec, okay? There has only been in the history of humanity one person who earned righteousness. And he was not you. <laughs> Clear enough? His name is Jesus. Only Jesus lived on this earth and never broke one of the laws. Here's what you need to know. If you think you can earn righteousness, that you can earn your way to heaven, I have bad news for you. You've already messed up. It's too late. You had to be perfect. You had to fulfill the entire law. And you raised your hand just a minute ago and said, I've slipped up. You're out. You can't earn righteousness. So that means the only other way anybody can get righteousness is by receiving it. That's why it's called, grace is called a gift. Now, let me ask you a couple more questions, and I know it's going to be a little hard to track with me. Don't write these down. Just try and hang with me, because it sounds like a, a, a tongue twister a little bit, okay? Can a righteous person do an unrighteous thing? Not a trick question. Yes, right? If, if you're a righteous person, please don't convince yourself you are unable to do unrighteous things. You did one on the way to church, and on your way home, when someone cuts you off, you're going to do another unrighteous thing. Okay? A righteous person can do an unrighteous thing. Okay. Does the unrighteous deed make the righteous person unrighteous? No. No. The unrighteous deed does not make a righteous person unrighteous. Why? Because they received righteousness from Christ Jesus, not by earning it. So doing something unrighteous cannot make them unrighteous. Other side of the coin. Can an unrighteous person do a righteous deed? Yes. Okay. Does the righteous deed of the unrighteous person make the unrighteous person righteous? No. They wish. No. Why? Because righteous means right standing with God. And doing something righteous does not give you or anyone else right standing with God. An unrighteous person that does a righteous deed is not righteous. Okay, let's walk this through just to make sure everybody understands this before we move on to the upcoming weeks in this series. Let's say we have an unbeliever, really bad guy, huge heathen, okay? Goes to work one morning, all right, and gets a bonus first thing that, that morning at work and is now in an incredible mood, great mood, determined to have a good day. And instead of doing what he normally does, lying and cheating at work, he tells the truth, he encourages the people he's com committing, uh, competing against, he doesn't commit any sin during the day, good, good day, really bad guy. After work, gets in his car, heads down Hayden to the corner of Frank Lloyd Wright, sees the homeless man on the corner. Instead of doing what he normally does, he rolls the window down, hands a $100 bill out the window to the homeless man. Heads to the house, walks into the house. Instead of doing what he normally does when he walks in, 
just absolutely berating his wife, he decides, you know what? It's Christmas in May. This is going to be the one day of the year I compliment and encourage my wife. Encourages her, pays her the one compliment of the year. Goes up to each of his children's room, and instead of cursing them out like normal when he comes home from work, he encourages them. Okay, really bad guy, unbeliever, really bad guy that did some really good things. Do those really good things make him righteous? No. Okay, other side of the coin. We have a believer. Actually goes here to Gateway Church. And volunteers two out of every four weekends, so they get extra points for that. <laughs> really, really good guy. But having a really bad day. Was supposed to serve today, but decided at the last minute I don't feel like serving, so I'm just going to go to church. Sits through the message, mumbles under their breath through the entire message how ridiculously foolish this pastor is. After the service is over, beelines it to the exit in the lobby doesn't want to talk to anyone, and a greeter has the gall to say, on the way out, have a blessed week. The believer, in frustration, shoves the face of the greeter back and says, shut your mouth, I'll do what I want this week. Gets in his car, heads down Hayden, gets to the corner of Hayden and Frank Lloyd Wright, sees a homeless man on the corner. The light seems to be taking longer than ever because when you're frustrated, every light feels like it takes five times longer. Sitting at the light, jumps out of his car, goes around the front of the car, walks up to the homeless man, and karate kicks the cup of change out of the homeless man's hand. Points at the man's face and says, get a job like the rest of us. Okay, this guy doesn't go to Gateway Church, all right? Does not go here, all right? Goes home, cusses out his wife, goes into each of his children's room and berates them, tells them how horrible they are, and, and makes, makes his life miserable. Okay, you get the point. Believer, good man, does some bad things. Do those bad things make this righteous man unrighteous? No. No. Now, does God want us to do the right things? Yes, and we're going to do a whole message on that. But before we can make right choices, the key to making right choices is to first receive the righteousness of God. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says. For he, God, made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Okay, question. How many of you want to reign in life? Okay, five of you. That's wonderful. <laughs> the rest of you are all losers, apparently. How many of us want to reign in life? I want both my hands. I want to reign in life. Okay, did you see the key to reigning in life in Romans chapter 5, verse 17? It says the key to reigning in life, that those who will reign in this life, it's not because they're good performers. 
The key to reigning in life is being a good receiver, not a good performer. Let me read it to you again. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. They are the ones, the good receivers. They will reign in life. We do not reign through our performance. We reign through our position in Christ Jesus. That leads us to point number two. How did he get it? How did Abraham get righteousness? The simple answer is he received it. The Bible says it was accounted to him for righteousness. This word account means to put into account. In our modern day vernacular, we would probably say direct deposit. Righteousness was direct deposited by God into Abraham's account. Now, I want you to see this, so I'm going to illustrate it for you. Because I think if you'll see this, not just read it and hear it, but if you see it, it will really sink in for you, okay? So I want to show you three different accounts so that you can understand this spiritual, this gracious accounting that we're reading about, okay? The three accounts. The first account I want to show you is the account of a really bad person before believing, all right? The second person I want to show you, I want to show you the account of someone who was really good before believing. And the third account I want you to see is the perfect account. That's Jesus, the one who we just read, who knew no sin, okay? So the perfect account, the account of someone who was really good before believing, and the account of someone who was really bad before believing, okay? So I'm going to need three volunteers. Uh, I promise you're not going to have to say anything. You're not going to have to talk. People get so nervous, especially like the front three rows. They're just, they're, they don't want to look at me right now. Like, okay, so I'll just randomly pick a couple of you, okay? Uh, Brad, you come here. Okay, Brad, come over here. You are going to be the person with a really bad account over here, okay? You are the really bad person before believing, okay? And let's take somebody who can be the really good person before believing, all right? Don't nominate your spouse. If you're going to nominate your spouse, you would have nominated them for that position, okay? Uh, Noel, come here. It's just random assignment here. Didn't plan this out. I just want Noel to win at home. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I need someone who will be Jesus. And all of you are not, not qualified enough. So, Matt, you come here. <laughs> Don't let it go to your head, Matt. It's all going to go downhill if you do. Okay. Three accounts. Matt's pretending to be Jesus. The account of someone who knew no sin. The perfect account. The account of someone who was really good before believing, and the account of someone who was really bad before believing. And I have a few props here to try and help illustrate this. Okay. Noel, I need you to hold this. Brad, I need you to hold that. Okay. Let's start with the person who was really bad before sin, okay? And for this illustration, we're gonna use liquid. And so the three types of liquid, let's, let's let, um, to, to kind of illustrate sin, let's, let's use Coca-Cola, okay? 
don't, don't let this ruin it for you if you're addicted to the nectar of the gods, okay? Because uh, it's really not the nectar of the gods. If you just YouTube putting a human tooth in Coca-Cola for 30 days, uh, you'll never drink Coke again. But sin, this is sin. Everybody tracking with me? Okay. <laughs> and so this, this is bad deeds. And good deeds, let's, let's do just regular water, okay? The, this will represent good deeds, all right? And for real righteousness, capital R, let's use my favorite, sparkling water, okay? Now, we know that Jesus is the one with righteousness, capital R. He, he has the righteousness, all right? Doesn't have any Coca-Cola in his account. He knew no sin, right? <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> These guys. Okay, let's, let's start with the one who was really bad before believing, okay? Uh, three years old, first time Brad uh, ever sinned. Uh, he lied to his mother. It all started at three years old, she says. And uh, then a week after that, lied to his brother and his dad. And uh, then we get to year four, and things start to go downhill really fast. And according to his parents, uh, the year before kindergarten, that four was hellacious. Lies, stealing, fights, all kinds of stuff. And then we get to kindergarten, and Brad begins to up his game a little bit. <laughs> the sins are now lie to the teacher, cheated on the test twice in one day. You didn't think there were tests in kindergarten. Yes, there were. Fast forward, we get to junior high. Brad starts escalating. He stole from his teacher's purse in the middle of class. Then, I wonder how much of this is actually true. <laughs> then we get to high school. Bum, ba, ba, ba. Now it's getting ugly. And you, you get the whole point. I mean, the guy, he is a bad, 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 bad. Just keep that, okay? Bad guy, all right? You get it. But, but let's not make fun of him, okay? He did some good things. Two times, he did some good things. You can put that down. I want you to hurt your back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's move to the good one, the goody good two shoes here. The person who was really good before believing, okay? Noelle got started really, it started for her as well at three Noelle actually wrote her first worship song when she was three years old and began journaling a week later. And by the time she was four, she was teaching Bible study at dinner time in her own home. Noelle, Noelle's a really, really good person. And then when she got to kindergarten, she started to up her game and she really, she started writing notes of blessings to all of the kids who made fun of her and... I mean, just, she just keeps getting better and better. Then she gets to junior high, and she's winning people to Jesus. You get the whole point, right? You can set it down. I want you to hurt yourself. Okay. I need you to see the picture here. Really bad before believing. Really good 
but wait a minute. That's impossible for her to have all good. Oh, that's right. I forgot there was that one time Noel messed up. I hate, I hate that you guys know this, but she has some Diet Coke in her account. It's a mini one, but we just read that someone who breaks just one of the laws is as bad as Brad Larson. I mean, <laughs> someone who has broken them all. And here's what I need you to see. God says, this is God's accounting, and you can't learn this in a college accounting class. This is God's accounting. God says, I am willing to deposit the righteousness of my son into your account, you really bad person before believing. I am willing to deposit my son's righteousness into the account of someone who is just as bad, only committed a few, but just as bad as someone who broke every law. I am willing. Okay, you guys can go sit down. Thank you. We'll, we'll finish the equation, but you just need to see that up front, that God is willing to deposit the righteousness of his son into your account. Now, if you're one of those people that thinks you can earn righteousness apart from Jesus, let me just read you a couple of verses to try to clear this up. Let's start with Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Cleared up for you? But I, I was really good at work this week, and I, I just feel like I'm getting closer to God. No, not one. There is no one, not one, who could experience right standing with God because of their good deeds. No, not one. Nobody can be righteous apart from Jesus. Think about this. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be any bragging in heaven. No one's gonna be bragging about their good deeds. Pastor Robert says it like this. My mentor, he texanizes this and he says, there ain't gonna be no bragging in, tex in heaven or in Texas. There's nothing but bragging in Texas. Let's be real. There ain't going to be no bragging in heaven. That's what we read. Romans chapter 4, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. There's not going to be any bragging in heaven. When you get to heaven, if you start walking around asking people, hey, how'd you get here? Are you going to find anyone who answers that question by saying, I did this. I did it. I got here because of all of the good I did on the earth. I did this. No, no one's going to say that. In fact, if you ask anybody in heaven, hey, how'd you get here? They're all going to say the same thing. They're going to point at Jesus and say, I got here because of him. He got me here. I didn't do anything. None of my deeds were good enough to get me here. It was his deeds. Let's take it even further, though. 
Verse four of Romans four. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Think about what that means. If someone comes and works at your home, they earn a wage. And because they've earned a wage, you owe them payment. Here's what Romans 4.4 4 is saying. If Abraham earned by works, if he's justified by works, if he earned righteousness, then he didn't just earn it, God owed it to him. And here's the big question. Does God owe anyone anything? No. No. He's a perfect God. If he owed anybody anything, he'd be imperfect. He'd be in debt. Perfect God's not going to be in debt. He owes nothing. Okay. You can't earn it. It's saying, Abraham didn't earn this. It's a gift. He received it. Now, if you're in Romans 4, flip over a couple pages to Romans chapter 9. Let's read a couple more verses. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. Skip down to verse 3 of chapter 10. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Verse 5. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven? And don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead? In fact, it says, then it quotes from the Old Testament, the message is very close at hand. And look, look where it is. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about the faith that we preach. You probably know this verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. This is the message of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, it's on your lips, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, it's on your lips and in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, here's the message of faith that we preach. You will be saved. You will be saved. Now here's, here's what we just read. Let's, let's sum it all up. If you want to get saved by doing the works of the law, you're going to have to fulfill every one of them and not break one. If you want to be saved by works, that's what you have to do. But if you want to be saved by faith, here's what you have to do. Believe. You've got to believe. That leads us to point number three. What did he have to do? What did Abraham have to do? Don't say nothing. Well, Jesus did it all. Abraham didn't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. No, that's not, that's not accurate theologically. What did Abraham have to do? Believe. Believe. John chapter 6, verse 28. The disciples ask a really spiritual sounding question to Jesus. Listen to what they say. Then they said to him, 
What must we do to be doing the works of God? The New King James says, to be working the works of God. Sounds like a really spiritual question, right? Jesus, what must we do to be working the works of God? We want to be good workers. How do we work the works of God? And listen to Jesus' brilliant response. Jesus answered them, saying, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. You want to work the works of God? Believe in him whom he has sent. And when you think about this, because remember, Romans 4, verse 3, is talking about what God did with Abram in Genesis 12. Go and read it this week. It it really is amazing what God did with Abram in, in Genesis 12, when you think about it. I mean, think about, after believing... Because I know most people, when they think about Father Abraham and many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. You know, you all know that song. Father Abraham, he, he was amazing. He was amazing, but he was also amazingly messed up. Think about how messed up Abraham was. After believing, Abraham lied and said his wife was his sister to save his own life and was willing to let the king sleep with her in order for his own life to be spared. That's messed up. You know what's more messed up than that? He did it twice (laughs) after believing. You know what else Abraham did after believing? He slept with his wife's maid. That's messed up. This is how messed up Abraham was after believing. How messed up do you think he was before believing? Oh, he was legendarily messed up. Think about how amazing it is what God does in Genesis 12 that we're reading about in Romans 4. That on that day, God comes to Abram and he says, Abram, in light of your colorful history and given your family background and taking into account your religious upbringing and factoring in all of the things you've heard and read about me that others have spoken and written that were wrong given all of that Abram it's going to be really difficult for you to believe what I'm about to tell you. Abram, I've come to you today for one reason and only one reason. I have not come to you today to judge you, even though I could. I've not come to you today to condemn you, Abram, but I could. The reason I've come, and it's gonna be difficult for you to believe, but I've come today to bless you. And the Bible says, Abram believed. He believed, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. God put 
his righteousness into Abram's account. I want to make a shocking statement that might mess with some of you theologically, but I assure you it's accurate. A person does not go to hell because of sin. That's what 1 John 2.2 says. Jesus died for all of the sins of the whole world, not just for the sins of the believers. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. A person does not go to hell because of their sin. A person goes to hell because of their unbelief. Sin isn't the real problem. Jesus came to address that, and he did. Unbelief is the real problem. I know I've picked on Brad, but Brad, would you come back up? Because I want, I want them to see it. I know some of us, when we, when we read about the heroes of the faith, it's hard for us to put ourselves in, in their shoes. But I want you to think, the day that Brad gave his life to Jesus, God came to him in the same way that he did Abraham. And he said, Brad, in light of your colorful history and given your family background and taking into account your religious upbringing and factoring in all of the things you've read about me and heard about me that others have written and spoken that are wrong. Brad, what I'm about to tell you is going to shock you and it's going to be hard for you to believe. Brad, I came to you today for one reason and only one reason. Brad, I did not come to you today to condemn you even though I could. I did not come to judge you even though I could. Brad, the reason I came to you today is to bless you. I want to bless you, Brad. I didn't come to condemn you. I want to bless your children. Bradley Dean Larson, I want to bless your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I came to bless you. Brad, do you believe me? And Bradley Dean Larson threw up his hands and said, I believe. I believe. And in that moment, God deposited the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, into Brad's account. Well, what happens if Brad messes up 10 minutes later and sins? Jesus took care of that. What happens if Brad gets crazy and does something to rip? Jesus took care of that. None of this, after believing, gets in the way of this. Because Jesus died for this. And when Brad believed, God said, here, I'm giving you the righteousness of my son. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what the best part about this is? That Hebrews says that in the same way God came to Abraham, God comes to you. And he says, 
if you will believe, I will deposit my son's righteousness into your account and you'll never have to worry ever again about being enough. My son's righteousness is enough. And if you will believe, I'll deposit it into your account for eternity. That's good news. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.